going deep enough into what ifery has prompted me to dare another podcast. These things are a lot more difficult to talk myself into than some of the other ways that I attempt to communicate from my hermitage. I think I've finished my hermitage. I'm contemplating writing a poetically licensed biography, calling it The Accidental Monk. It will begin in the San Fernando Valley around 1972, the spring. I'm basing this on the fact that in the summer of that year we leased 1973 Dodge stretch vans, brand new. So I don't imagine we would have leased last year's models with all the new money that was coming in by three months later than the incident that I'm speaking of in the spring of 1972 when all the people in my cult, all the males, had to get their hair cut because we were going to chop cotton in Bakersfield. And Bakersfield was loaded with hippie-phobic rednecks. And we did not want to be a bad testimony, so we all had to get a haircut. And this big artistic fellow named John Miller cut my hair and he left a little freak flag on the back that hung down my back and to me that just looked so Hollywood Boulevard I'd no way man cut that thing off and he cut it off and I remembered The first time I ever was punished by having my hair all cut off. And I was offered the option for a style. I could have asked for the style of haircut on any man in that barber shop that was watching me get my haircut. And I said, no, cut it all off. And I walked out of there looking like a, a newbie Harry Krishna without a pigtail. Those kinds of memories percolate up through the kinds of days that I've been having lately as I contemplate my thymus gland being... Um, old 
and doing what thymus glands do when they get old. It just begins to deteriorate. This one has some uh, unidentified growing object happening in its deteriorated area. So this has caused me to learn much more about how the innards of my own earth suit functions. And I imagined that there are, if I'm average, there's a lot of people who don't even know where the thymus gland is. It's usually right behind your breastbone. Probably uh, about five ribs down is my guess, but I, I don't really, haven't counted that. I just have some poetic references that talk about the knife going in just below the fifth rib. But that was to slay a man, not to uh, remove his thymus gland. Thymus gland is part of your intervention system, your defense system, immune system, like your tonsils and your adenoids and your spleen and your the lymph nodes that are scattered all around your body and along the backside of your neck below your ears. We've learned a lot about how our body works since I was a child born in 1948. And a great percentage of my generation born in America and I think most of Europe, possibly in Asia, I don't know the story. But during the early 1950s, there were a lot of women who delivered their children with cesarean section. And um, that was one level of sorting in our generation. The ones who never got exposed to the uh, vaginal biome of women who had been born prior to 1935, maybe. Diets and attitudes and educations and exercises and all sorts of things changed when there was a new deal and the government was planning on citizens who could live at peace doing the dullest, most humdrum jobs you could imagine. For eight hours a day, five days a week, with Friday and Saturday nights to play and Sunday mornings to pray and Sunday afternoons were with the kids. The 1950s were a moment when a global civilization 
was attempting to manifest itself in the highest minds on the planet. It was no conspiracy. It was a plan. They called it a new world order and seriously began to do what they felt needed to be done to establish this new world order. <coughs> but things got out of balance. Things got out of balance. And if you pay old man level attention to history, you know, if you got interested in history by the time you were 40, say, by the time you're 70, you've got a fairly accurate picture of how things developed in several civilizations, not only this American civilization, which is a baby among civilizations, a baby among empires. And the people who consider themselves pledged in allegiance to this form of republic for which the American flag stands, those pledges are traitorously difficult to spit back at the people who made you say them with no clue what they meant. What does it mean to pledge your allegiance to a flag? What does it mean on the battlefield, my boy? What does it mean to hear that trumpet sound and you disobey? To my dying day, I will believe that I believed until I was nineteen years old that it was my duty to partake in any war the United States of America was involved in. It seemed to me like the way my kind of people behaved, you know, the good guys in High Noon, Roy Rogers and Gene Autry and you know, kind of Jesse James if you really knew the story. <coughs> kind of Billy the Kid if you really know the story. I've had to admit that there are outlaws hanging on my children's family tree. There are crimes that I've committed that I've forgotten, but they did happen, and people nearly got killed, but they didn't. And these kind of meandering days when you're wondering if everybody out there is 
confronted with a situation similar to mine right now where we were merging our family. We were going to be a 21st century, three-generation family. And we had a lot of extra furniture, so we had a friend in Mexico, and he came over to get it. But when he got here, he told us that his brother had tested positive. And it... Uh, passed on to my son-in-law from him to his wife and to four of the five children. My wife and I, the elderly, susceptible people, have had three or four tests each and we don't have it. But it made me learn a lot about my body during a brief hospital stay regarding this thymus gland and what it takes to actually meditate, to do what the monks have said they did, to spend the kind of time with truth that the saints have said they spent with truth. And I looked back at my life to those haircuts and to the life that I lived after each of those haircuts. And each of those... No, that was the second haircut and the third haircut. The first haircut was at Fort Bliss, Texas. July the 6th, 1967. I still have that picture. Private E1, Kenneth L. Pepitan. The accidental monk. During the next two years after that first haircut, I... had my first conversation with an orientally-minded person in orange-saffron robes who sat beside me at a Thai boxing match in Bangkok and asked Obama smoke. I smoked cools at the time. <coughs> he sat and popped a question and he said, wait, have you ever seen the true beauty of an elephant? And I looked back at him. Said, no, but that's cool. I've got a lot of time left. And now that I'm thinking about it, that was 50 years ago. And yeah, I've, I've seen multiple levels of truth in elephants all the way to Ganesh if I consider Dumbo a manifestation of all that I think I can do being one of my generation 
who had the proper biome from the beginning. I lived among chickens and cows and dogs and cats and horses and people. All kinds of people. In a place where black people were not even allowed to let the sun set on their heads except they were inside the Loma Vista Motel or the White Rock Court. One of them on Route 66 and the other on Route Highway 93. Loma Vista Motel right next door to my grandfather. His junkyard. I got to play in that junkyard, play in those cars that had been wrecked or mostly steam-blown or some major mechanical pumpkin had failed coming across the desert or coming down the grade from the San Francisco peaks. My granddaddy would tow those in and they were Mine to play in, all I wished to play in, all the dust that was in there, whatever I could find under the seats. Found a gun in there once. Used to find a lot of cigarette lighters. But growing up in a junkyard exposed to all the germs that there ever was, I guess I got all the diseases that there was to get except for polio. Didn't get it. My sister got rheumatic fever, but I didn't get that either. But somehow I survived through the 1950s. I don't think I ever taste pablum. And I clearly remember seeing the cousin with the babe born out of wedlock was breastfeeding her baby at the family reunion, and nobody thought that strange. I did not think it strange, now that I recall. So all this is coming to put it together that there are people on the planet in the year 2020 who have survived many a trial to get this far. And now we're looking at the world and saying, you know, the big game that the guys with the money are playing it's pretty much the same big game that the guys with the money have always been playing. The problem now is with the power that we all rely on. This electricity that we think we got to have it to have life as good as we have it now. So my thought is that our better natures our zeitgeist, you know, our, our communal subconsciousness, conscience is the part of us that uses knowledge and works with knowing our conscience-ness. This is the mystery of iniquity that doth already work. Good always wins. Period. We know good. We know evil. We know fools who try to prove evil conquers good. But 
good enough conquers evil's best every time. So, while we have this electricity, and while we have these voices that can reach all the way around the world on a podcast, let's not worry about whether or not you think I sound like a oaky or a redneck or a fool. And I'll just tell you, I think for sure that there is more to be acknowledged by the fact that Muhammad did not read than most of my Islamic believing cultured you know if you you grew up in that world you're going to be at least as Islamic as my folks were Christian <clears throat> so you run into why why are these people so locked into this what was it how can I understand this and I went to find the story and the story that I was given was given to me from a whole bunch of sources that initially Muhammad didn't see anything he felt an embrace and a great love and a knowing that he was to read the only word conveyed to him was the word read and Muhammad knew what that meant he knew what reading meant and he said I can't do that bang he hears it again bing 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 read and the I'll go rhythm never clicks in Muhammad he says no three times Never says, yes, I will learn to read. Therefore, a little while later, some angel of light appears. And it's always been my contention. And remember that contention only comes from pride. So I admit, it's been my contention that an angel of light that comes with any other gospel, any other good news, then that good news I knew in the third grade when I was the king that brought the frankincense, and I knew what frankincense was, because I had asked my mom. My mom was a character. In reality, she was a real child of the Dust Bowl who taught her daughters and sons to read before they were four or five years old. Somehow, it seems to me, I knew how to read my whole life. I remember asking my mother, who was... 20 when I was born I was her second child I asked her where the idea of Christmas came from 
I think. Something to that effect. And she sat me down with the Bible. I think it was Luke, but she sat me down where the the story of the three kings was and all that. And uh, she agreed that the, the three kings probably really didn't show up at the manger. They, uh, they went to town first, checked in with the king. But anyway, my mother was a pretty smart lady, but the 50s drove her crazy. She lost a baby to a disease that in my 60s I learned was attributed by some to the fallout from the atmospheric testing in Nevada. Kingman, Arizona, like a hundred miles south of the testing zone where dust was blown up to the ionosphere almost. Well, the whole world that was born after 1945 has breathed in radioactive particles that Homo sapiens sapiens never breathed before. And we have seen some changes in the way that humans behave. I think if we acknowledge those better messengers that we find in ourselves, if we learn what we know about our own physical being, our bodies, our brains, uh, the intricate programming that is needed to operate a self-driving car in Phoenix, Arizona and make it publicly available. We have T-cells. We have automated killer nanobots that train for what would seem to be an eternity to you and me inside our thymus gland. They come up from the very marrow of our bones and they answer this call to the thymus gland to be made into lymphocytes, the knights in armor in our bodies that protect us from all that is not us that can kill us while allowing all that is not us that can do us good to circulate in some cases in systems that have their dedicated receptors throughout our body. Yes. Yes, I grow my own cannabis these days and it feels a lot like what I thought heaven would be like if Mark Twain made it. I think he did. Actually, I'm pretty sure that David Foster Wallace has left 
a happy trail that any particular person could follow and go right on past the part where you stop living as a mortal. You just quit. Done. Finished. It's becoming more and more difficult for me to say that we oughtn't have the just common sense right to be able to know past a certain point in productivity where we have obeyed the last master that we chose to obey. And I think of that in terms of how you might consider riding a strange horse that you found in the desert. Yeah, like in that song, but really, really, behind my little gray house in the desert, there was a a watering trough way out there. Just was a, a little seep spring that kept this trough full. And there was a a horse that came there regularly. And I got to know him and imagined I could just climb on that horse and ride him knowing that if I were on that horse, it would not be me who was master. No bridle, no bit, no saddle, no stirrups. My body and that horse. Now, I can't imagine, personally, the very first person to ever do that. I can't imagine him needing to break that horse. I can only imagine him having to befriend that horse on that horse's terms. From where I sit today, I can remember some horses whose terms were one woman friend. Birds are like that, too. They'll make friends with one single person, often the female in the home. And the male is obviously not the friend, but since you're a friend of the friend, that horse and that bird and the cat may tolerate you until you become their friends in their realm of what friends are. Social network friends feel just like real friends. So, thanks for listening, and uh, 
understanding that this stream is a meandering stream and if you look at any wild rivers you will notice that except for the very steepest parts where they go straight over the edge they all meander all right episode whatever it is 2021 in the future